We've been doing a series for, yeah, this is the sixth week now, going through the book of Second Timothy titled, Strengthened in Grace. Now, when we use the word strengthened, there's a very important thing that I probably haven't touched on that I should have thus far. The reason we go with the word strengthened in grace is because we are all weak in some respects. Now, in all honesty, few people are as bad at admitting their weaknesses as pastors, okay? Myself included. There is something inside of you that when you have a responsibility for someone, you don't think you are supposed to show your weakness. And so, I don't care if this is in being pastoral leadership, if it's in marriage, if it's in regards to raising your kids, whatever, if you are a boss in charge of people at work, whatever, no one likes to show weakness. But here's the thing. Our acknowledgement of our own weaknesses is something very distinct to Christianity. See, other religions are about digging deep and finding strength from within. Its heroes are mythological figures larger than life. The Bible is nothing like that. So the Bible presents the story of very flawed, very human people who are used for amazing purposes by an all-merciful, all-powerful, all-wise God. This is why Paul the Apostle can say these words. I will boast about my weaknesses. See, if Paul was okay with his weaknesses, my suggestion is, so should we. Now, as I said, for the past five weeks, we've been looking at the book of 2 Timothy. In the book of 2 Timothy is the last letter in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul. It's directed towards his understudy, Timothy, uh, who's going to carry on the faith after him. And Paul knows he's at the near the end of his life. He's going to be martyred. He's going to be beheaded for his faith uh, soon after this. And so Paul writes Timothy to ensure that he and other faithful ministers will protect the message that he taught to them. And then not only they will protect the authenticity, the accuracy of it, but then also they'll pass that same message on to the next generation. So in order to do this, Paul repeatedly tells them they will need strength from God, or as he also calls it, grace, to complete this task. Now, he says there'll be opposition along the way, false teachers are going to arise in their midst, and they're going to oppose the faith. He says, look, some people are just going to want to hear what they want to hear, and they're going to leave. But despite of all this, he says, keep going. Right? So, Paul reminds them, essentially, the fight is worth it. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. God has a reward in store for the faithful that far exceeds any pain they would face along the way. And the same is true for you and me. The reward is worth more than the risk and the pain we may face along the way. So this week, we get to the epilogue, basically, of Paul's letter. So as I am prone to do, let me give you the big idea for this week. So big idea, so big thing I want you to remember from this passage this week is this. You need close relationships. Choose them wisely. Let me say that again. 
You need close relationships. Choose them wisely. So today, basically, at the end of Paul's letter, one thing you're going to notice is that he drops a lot of names along the way. Basically, he gives a long goodbye. And, and lots of personal letters end this way. So if you're writing your relatives back home a letter, and there's like 8,000 cousins who live back home, you go, oh, say hi to cousin so-and-so, and cousin Joey, and Timmy, and Susie, and yada, 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 no more said hi, wish them our best from Las Vegas. The end, right? I mean, you don't say the end, but you get the idea. So that's basically what Paul's doing here. However, which names he includes and why he includes them tells us a lot about Paul and also ourselves by extension. So without further ado, let's get into the word. Now, if you want to follow along, I'm going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9, all the way to verse 22. If not, feel free simply to listen. Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demos, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me harm, great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Achilla and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained in Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greeting to you, as do Putins and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is God's word. Okay. Full disclosure. About an hour before this, I looked online to try to pronounce half the names I just <laughs> probably still got to be wrong. Okay, so like I said, Paul's saying goodbye and he talks about, he opens up here. First thing we notice here, Paul expresses a desire for company. Verse 9, he says, do your best to come to me soon. Do you know what he's saying there? Paul's expressing his loneliness. Paul's lonely and he's not afraid to admit it. See, by calling Timothy to come visit him, he is calling him away from certain things. Timothy was a minister. He was a missionary. He went and he served churches all around. Paul, so when Paul calls Timothy to come visit him, he's essentially calling him out off of the mission field for a time in order to come visit him. He's taking him away from these churches, churches that he has just asked him with caring for. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. This isn't sin. It's a good thing, as a matter of fact. What does it mean? It tells us something really important. 
We all need relationships and comfort at times. For Timothy, being a faithful minister of Jesus Christ at this point in time meant going to visit a person who had almost no one else around him. Someone who had served in the faith faithfully and was at the end of his days and was lonely and needed the company of a good friend. Paul recognizes his need, and so he reaches out to a brother in the faith, in this sense, someone who he considered like a son, for support. Guys, don't ignore loneliness in your life. Paul is not afraid to admit it, neither should we. It's natural, and ignoring it is not healthy. See, your emotions, we, we get carried away with emotions sometimes, and we need to find balance. And here's the thing. Biblically speaking, your emotions shouldn't dictate your life, but they aren't meant to be swept under the rug either. So when you're lonely, it doesn't mean it should, it should, it should um, guide every decision you make, but it also shouldn't be pretended that you're not lonely. It's a natural emotion. It makes sense for Paul to be lonely in this situation. And so take it out from Paul. When you need someone, reach out to them. Okay? Paul is an apostle. He's the top dog in, in the church in terms of that stuff. And he has no problem saying, I need a friend right now. I need someone to reach out for me. I need someone to come come for me. That's what we're all here for each other with. Paul mentions also those who have left him. Now, ironically, he mentions all these different people who've left him and stuff. Some of them he doesn't give reasons. He just says where they went. Uh, most of these guys probably, I looked at I checked it out. Most commentators would say that most of the names he listed here went to go help other churches. In other words, they left for good reasons. Paul, that's why Paul mentions where they left. He went, they went to Galatia and Dalmatia, which I guess I never even heard of this. Maybe people are called Dalmatians. That was funny to me. <laughs> and so Paul mentions where they went. And they are going out to minister. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and he says, Luke alone is with me. By the way, Luke is the guy in the Bible who records Paul's story. Uh, the book of Acts is written by Luke. Luke was sort of the uh, guy who kept around Paul and recorded his story uh, for posterity's sake and for the sake of the saints and such. Now, not everyone who left, however, left for noble reasons. In particular, he mentions a man named Demas. And he says that he went for this specific reason. He says he went away because he is in love with the present world. Now, why would he say it that way? Like, that seems like an interesting phraseology. It could just be like, he's not a Christian, or, you know, he's selfish, so he left. So this is to contrast Paul. Paul was always looking for the age to come, right? He says, I finished the race, and ahead of me is a crown of glory which God is, 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 will give to those who are faithful and who have, um, who have loved his appearing. Demas is the opposite. He's focused on the here and now. He is only interested, essentially, in what he can get right now. And so, in that sense, we would say he is in love with the present world. He is, he's short-sighted, you might say. He has no concept of something greater than what he can get right here at this moment. Lots of people are like that. See, Demas liked something. Probably the approval and praise of people, and so he went away on his merry way. 
This reminds us that not everyone who is in ministry is so for the right reasons, okay? Make note of this. And so Paul then makes an unlikely request, which you might not have thought of as being so unlikely. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. So who is Mark? Well, we know it's Mark. Mark is the uh, is the apostle who wrote the, uh, the Gospel of Mark. John Mark, as he's also referred to. But one thing you have to understand about Mark and Paul is they had kind of a falling out earlier on in Paul's ministry. See, Mark had abandoned him earlier in his ministry. We read in Acts chapter 15, verse 36, it says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where, he, where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So he's doing like a checkup visit in some of the churches he preached Now, Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had gone and not gone with them to the work. So basically, he didn't go with them to this task for these churches. And so when they were going back around to visit him, he's like, we don't need Mark to abandon us. I don't want to take him with us. So Paul thought best not to take one who had withdrawn from them. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated each other. Paul Paul took, I'm sorry, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So, there was a big deal. And not only was a separate, it was not only a big deal for between Paul and Mark, it was a big deal between Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas was one of Paul's early friends when he became a Christian. So, somewhere along the way, and we're not told exactly where in the Bible, Paul and Mark reconciled. So Paul is not only cool with him, joining him, but he specifically asks Timothy, bring Mark with you. He calls him useful for ministry. Scholars believe that by said that phrase, useful for ministry, literally means that John Mark is going to take Paul's place overseeing certain churches. What does that tell us? Remember something important, guys. Long-lasting relationships will require forgiveness. Guys, we're called to live life together. We're called to make lifelong relationships in Christ because we are all working towards the same goal. We are a family of faith in Jesus. I don't know how your family is, but generally speaking, you're close with your family long enough, there's going to be some grace that you're, that's needed, Right? There's tension, there's arguments, there's things, disagreements that happen along the way. What Paul is showing us here is that he was able to reconcile, him Mark were reconciled, and he holds nothing against him. Not only is he saying, like, it's not only does he hold nothing against him, he thinks highly of him. He's like, bring Mark. That guy is useful, man. Like, he is acknowledging the fact that Mark is a gifted person in ministry. And so... There is some rough stuff in this life, and if you never forgive people, it's only going to get rougher, guys. It is good that John, that John, Mark, and Paul reconcile. So Paul, Paul does that, but not only that, Paul even sent some away for the greater good. So he said, so some have left him, and he says, send in, uh, Timothy, you come visit me. Hey, bring Mark along the way. And then he explains that he had actually sent some people away. Verse 12, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Now, 
What's that important to understand? The mission God has for us requires us to send people out from time. Okay? Paul realized it was important and that God was calling, calling Tychicus. I looked it up. That's how you say the name. Over to Ephesus. And so he sent him away with his blessing. Guys, Lord willing, this is something, if I'm honest with you, is my dream for this church. I want us to be a church that actually plants other churches. There, Lord knows the city of Las Vegas needs more of it. And so what that means, if we want to actually be a church that goes on to plant other churches, is that it means sometimes some people, some awesome people, will eventually leave us. Guys, my guess is that like Tychicus was not dead weight in the faith. He was sent to go minister to other churches. What does that mean? That means when you're going to send people away sometimes, if you're going to send them out on mission, they're generally not just the people who are completely inactive in the faith. They're the people who are active in their faith. And that's a good thing because it means the gospel is expanding. There's a danger if we try to hold on to someone when we, when we should send them out with our blessing. So Paul asked him to do this. And then he asked us this little note where he says, basically, bring me some books and a coat and a coat uh, when he visits. And then he gives us his last warning. He warns Timothy of those who caused him harm. Verse 14 to 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Okay, who's this Alex guy? It's believed that Alexander had some role leading up to Paul's imprisonment. That's what he says, we did him harm, specifically. Um, this could be a man named Alexander, who we read about in 1 Timothy, that Paul had excommunicated, basically, from the church. Uh, verse, 1 Timothy, verse 18 through 20, it says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. That is, by rejecting faith and a good conscience, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who might have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. So, what do we learn from this? Not all relationships have to be maintained. This is why I said, choose wisely. You need good relationships in your life. You need godly relationships in your life in order to fulfill the task and the calling that God has put on your life. But not everyone you encounter in life, and even in the church, necessarily is a relationship you need to have. So, there are some people where the right move is simply to avoid, as we see with Alexander here. Part of being a faithful minister means you protect the flock from threats, and that includes threats against your own faith. Not everyone in your life is going to be your friend, guys. It's okay. Just accept it. This is why strong, godly relationships are, in fact, so important. They help protect us from the unhealthy ones getting in. Now, through all this, whether he had friends with him or not, Paul says God was with him. Verse 16 through 20. At my first defense... No one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. 
But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, Paul had basically like an initial hearing. At this point in time in Roman courts, the initial hearing was something where people could have stood up for him. They could have basically been character witnesses and said, look, Paul's a good guy. He's no enemy of Rome. But he says all the people that he trusted, some of his close friends, literally abandoned him at his hearing. They could have stood up for him, but they didn't. In spite of this, Paul doesn't hold it against them. Once again, guys, this reminds us, have relationships long enough, there's going to require some forgiveness. Now, that didn't mean Paul was, however, defenseless. Just because his friends didn't come to his side, it didn't mean that Paul was without any defense. He says Christ came on his behalf. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me. See, Christ acts, as you read in the Bible, you sing about even in our songs. What this means is that God acts as our defense attorney, our advocate, giving Paul the means to defend his case. God is helping plead Paul's case on his behalf. Ironically, it was Mark who reported these words of Jesus in Mark chapter, chapter 13. Jesus said, And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. But what say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. I believe that this is the same idea that Paul is expressing here. When, he, when he's saying, God stood by him, I believe he's also, he's, uh, he, he's saying one thing and that God didn't abandon him, which is absolutely true. But God also defended him, gave him the words, um, meaning even if no one else is with you guys, God is always with you. In this sense, God shut the lion's mouths, as, as Paul says. Uh, specifically, this was probably meant they silenced his accusers. So people brought charges up against Paul. God was faithful. God gave him the words to speak on his behalf, and he silenced the mouth of his he silenced his accusers. Like how basically God shut the lion's mouth of Daniel. And Paul knew God would make good on his promise. Verse 18, he says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. It's an interesting phrase. God will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom is, if I'm honest, a strange phrase for a guy who's about to be beheaded. Clearly, this didn't mean that his life would be free of harm. Everything we read about Paul says that's not the case. Uh, a, better, a better translation would be, save me unto, some have said. Basically, God will, will save me unto his heavenly kingdom. Basically, Paul was confident of God's deliverance in his final location. God promised he's going to bring me into his presence, and he will do it by any means necessary. For this reason, God receives the credit for the strength he provided to Paul. Thus, he says to him, be the glory. So what does all this mean? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me? Simple, guys. Just a few things. Pursue the right relationship. 
the ones that are worth having for a lifetime. See, it's going to take forgiveness and patience if you're going to develop real, good, godly relationships, but you need them nonetheless. I need them. Frankly, I need you guys. I need the fellowship you provide. I need the comfort, the encouragement, the accountability. We need it all. So not only pursue the right relationships, but be willing to admit your needs. Don't be afraid to admit your loneliness. Don't be afraid to admit you need someone to help you. Understand, this is why God has brought us all together. Don't see it as you against the world. A lot of Christians do. It's not. It's us against the world. Or better yet, it's us and God against the world. The world doesn't stand a chance. He's given us his Holy Spirit here so that even in times when no one else is with us, God himself stands with us. He will complete the work he started in us. So this is my encouragement. Don't give up. Fight the good fight. And find brothers in Christ who will fight the good fight of faith alongside you. See, Paul ends his letter with these last words. He says, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. God's presence and his strength, that is grace, go together. Because God goes with you, his strength, his grace goes with you. They are inseparable. So lean into that grace. Lord knows where you're going to be. But thank God he has provided. Praise be to God. Let's go. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that you have provided everything we need, that you have not only called us to a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, but you have given us the church, you have given us godly people in our lives to bear with us in our weakness, to encourage our faith, Lead us in the path of godliness. Father God, we ask and we pray. Help us to avoid those relationships which need avoiding. Help us to be aware of those things. And God, as we do this, no matter what, what the circumstance, help us to know that you will with us. Assure us of your presence, presence through the Holy Spirit. And use us for your glory. We trust that you will finish the work that you have started, that you will bring us into your holy kingdom. For it is in Jesus' name we pray.